This is Bloomberg Business Week. I'm Carol Masser. And I'm Bloomberg Quick Takes Tim Stenevec. We're here every day bringing you the latest news from the world of business and finance. Plus technology, politics, economics, all harnessing the power of Business Week reporters and editors. Not to mention our 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. You can download Bloomberg Business Week on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Bloomberg.com. You can also listen to our radio show at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Bloomberg Radio. Or watch us on YouTube. Search Bloomberg Global News. You're listening to Bloomberg Business Week. We've just got about 11 minutes, a little bit under 11 minutes left in today's trading session. We've bounced around, but we definitely, as Charlie mentioned, Tim, we firmed up when it comes to the equity trade post that Fed announcement and Jay Powell presser yields. They went up a little bit. They're back down and they are just down a smidge as we look along the yield curve. Well, let's get right into all that and more with Cole Smead, president and portfolio manager at Smead Capital Management. He joins us now on the phone from Phoenix, Arizona. Cole, uh, your reaction to to what we heard from the FOMC and Fed Chair Powell's press conference just now. Uh, Jay Powell reminds me of Kevin Bacon in Animal House while he's <laughs> yelling at everyone, all is well, all is well as chaos is ensuing on Main Street. And eventually, Kevin Bacon, they show later in the scene that uh, he's completely trampled, still saying all is well. And I think um, that's really the... the, 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 the Are you Fed saying you don't think all tone. is well? I, I don't. No, you go ask businesses, is all well? They would tell you, no, prices are up. Um, businesses are notably concerned about inflation, and the Fed isn't. It's just hmm. really strange. In other words, people that are taking risk well, with their personal income and their, their personal capital um, think that's a massive risk, and the people that aren't taking risk with their personal capital don't. Well, I, I got to so tell I, you. I, that's quite a dichotomy. One thing that really stuck out to me was, was what Powell actually thinks transitory means. And the definition of transitory, he said that it, it doesn't. It, it means not. So, it means it's something that doesn't leave a permanent mark. So not necessarily the prices will go back down, which is what I think a lot of people perhaps had in mind. Lumber has gone down. There's been a lot of commodities that have gone and, down. You know, Lisa Abramowitz made that point that perhaps lumber, notwithstanding, right? But you well, know, correct. Lumber, lumber has gone down. However, we're at the highest sustained fall off in lumber ever. I mean, it's just. We're off the charts in terms of where we are in lumber prices relative to the last 30 years. So, um, you know, we, we, this was the high back in 18 on lumber prices, roughly speaking. Um, this was the high. And that was the highest point we'd ever seen really since 94. Inflation adjusted, 94 was bigger. But I just say that because, you know, yes, lumber fall, has fallen off. We're just at the highest heights we've ever been on that commodity. So I, I think housing, by the way, is the poster child of inflation. Um, go back to deflation in 0809. What was the lead story? It was housing deflation. That's why we had deflation in the U.S. economy. Go back to the 1970s. New home builds, existing home builds, they, did, they, they had more pricing power than CPI did. In other words, my theory is that housing actually tells us more about the future than CPI does. And by the way, just so everyone's on the same page, 30% of CPI is housing related, and over 20% of that is tied to owner ownership of houses. And I think that's really where the CPI data is wrong. It's understating the pricing uh, increases of housing because the Fed is using or the, the BLS is using surveys. They're not using transaction based data. Hmm. 
we could go on and on about this, about whether or not inflation is real. And I guess time will tell whether or not it is transitory. If we start to see, I don't know, I feel like, Cole, it's safe to say that we don't have a true transparent picture quite yet because we have unprecedented stimulus, thanks to the Fed, thanks to the U.S. government, thanks to a lot of things right now. We don't have people all completely back in the workforce. We heard Jay Powell talk about that. I I feel like it's very hard to really understand what's going on in the economy and the inflationary story uh, until things start to settle down without all these uh, kind of extra factors that are distorting some of the data points. And don't just, I mean, don't, in other words, we're not going to know how bad or good things are until the future. Correct. That's the great part. It's all unknowable. Um, the beautiful part to your guys' life in the media realm is, as well as ours in the professional realm is um, security prices are a great, great way to arbitrate an unknown future. And so we just look at and, and look at the opportunities we get in more asset-intensive businesses like um, home building, like the energy business, like mall REITs, where we think the benefits of the unknown future are greatly underpriced. Um, and that's, that's you know, I, I could be completely wrong on interest rates, and we could make great money in common stocks um, at a time that we just don't think that's going to be broadly true for most investors. Mm. So it's, to your point, Carol, this is such a fun industry and business to be in mm-hmm. because the future is always unknown. Right. And, that's and what I, makes it very I, entertaining. I just think of take, you know, the last 20 years or so, some of the different cycles we've seen in terms of booms and busts, right? Where something can go up uh, to extraordinary levels. And then, of course, uh, either because of froth and too much money chasing too few assets, of course, the, you know, the bubble bursts. And we've seen that. I, I guess I just don't know yet, having seen lots of market cycles like you guys have. I'm just waiting to see how this this one pans out. I'm not quite sure yet. Well, and I, I think one other thing is I don't think that you're you're not hearing the Fed talk about this at all because it's it, it's just it's hard to model. But what are demographics doing in our economy? For example, there have been some big changes in the last year. Just without talking prices, you've had a group of millennials wake up and decide that houses are actually pretty awesome in the suburbs. And used cars are pretty awesome as well. Who'd have thought, um, right? After years of people shift, saying millennials are never going to buy homes, they're never going to buy cars. And guess what? I mean, they do. <laughs> they did. And by the way, it just happens to be the biggest demographic going through the consumption years of the U.S. economy since the late 60s and early 70s. Hmm. I, it it kind of sounds odd, right? But, and that was the opposite of, Carol, to your point. I mean, oh five, we were building houses for no one. We had 25% less Gen Xers, and what we were going to do is build houses for no one that was there. Um, That was the opposite. That was the doldrums of demographics, and therefore the economy was greatly affected by it. All right, so where are you committing money? You're a value guy. You're going to like the value. Are you finding opportunities finally? We are, and and, uh, it's probably the most contentious thing that that, uh, we've been buying is energy. And we've been buying it the last year. We went from we went from very few names. We continue to add more. We have a fourth name that we haven't disclosed yet uh, in our 13F, but that'll come up soon. Um, so the, the three that, that you can see in our holdings would be ConocoPhillips, Chevron, and Continental Resources. Uh, the oil business is being left for dead. It's incredible economics why, why on the CPI it, front. Everyone's looking why, through pricing pressures and why inflation. shouldn't it be left uh, for be, dead? Be, because cool. the, the industry is acting really rational. They're returning capital. They're not wasting it. That's so different. It's like oil people are not being oil but, people. But look That's at what's happening thing. long-term in the auto industry, for example. Look what's happening. Every company is committing to net zero right now by, you know, look, it's decades away. But, you, you know, you had Mercedes-Benz last week, tens of billions of dollars committed this decade to electrification. 
Um, <sighs> how come you're still optimistic on oil? Where is the energy? Uh, where is the energy needs going to be filled? And I say that because we don't do nuclear in the United States, or really in the developed world. Um, we don't do hydropower. We're getting rid of marginal hydropower. Which, by the way, those two are the most green-friendly um, things that are present and sunk already. Um, from there, you go to much higher cost projects. So what we do know is we are going to higher cost energy forms. Surely, the question is how high. And if, if green alternatives are adopted sooner, what it does, it makes oil and gas more expensive because the market's effectively moving prices higher for energy needs. And that's just pure energy. Then from there, you could arbitrate how much of that's combustion, how much of that's electricity. But the policies that are being laid out is limiting supply of new investment for energy, and that is taking prices higher. No one thought we'd be at 70 plus right. on WTI or Brent right now. Are- and guess what? We think we're going to 100. Okay. All right. So give us a name. Give us a name that, you, that you'd that you be putting money to. Continental Resources with the stewardship of Harold Hamm is one of the most incredible risk-order relationships we've ever seen. Um, we get like four barrels of oil per share. And you know what? Uh, we love that business, and, and we're one of the large shareholders there. And, and we couldn't be more pleased by the stewardship, like I said earlier, what they're doing with their projects, what they're doing to invest. Um, th- there, there is some people that are doing good things, and there are some people that are stuck in a hole from the problems the last few years. There will be consolidation, but Continental Resources is in a, is an ideal position right now. Uh, and is there, just quickly, five seconds, ten seconds, a housing name that you like? Uh, D.R. Horton. I mean, hmm. yeah. uh, watching people worry about what's going on in Texas with their business, uh, we're, just, we're just absolutely excited about the future in their business, but also the housing business. Land is a game. Land is a game. Who's got yeah. land? Who can build houses? Good chat. Cole Smead, President Portfolio Manager at Smead Capital Management. They're fun, beating uh, just about all of its peers uh, year to date as well as over the past five years. This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Bloomberg Quick Takes Tim Stenovic from Bloomberg Radio. Well, a slew of earnings crossing the Bloomberg. Yeah, nothing going on. Yeah, nothing going on. We have Facebook. We have Ford. We have Qualcomm. We have Lamb Research. But what we want to focus on now is Facebook. John Ehrlichman is anchor at BNN Bloomberg's The Open, also a correspondent for CTV National News. He joins us now on the phone from Toronto. Shares in the after hours, John Ehrlichman, down uh, more than, well, look, close to 4%. They were down as low as 5%. Uh, What has investors concerned is the outlook, quote, in the third and fourth quarters of 2021, we expect year-over-year total revenue growth rates to decelerate significantly on a sequential basis as we lap periods of increasingly strong growth. Is that what you think is investors' concerned right now? Yeah, Tim, I think you hit the nail on the head there because as we came into earnings season, it felt like we were expecting big numbers. And we'll talk about just how big they were for Facebook during the second quarter. But immediately the company comes out and discloses a couple of things. I mean, first of all, that they have seen a real surge in the business and uh, the possibility that they can't necessarily have that same kind of growth as you go into the third and fourth quarter, coupled with them really making a point of highlighting changes in how the advertising world online is working. Uh, Facebook, quite frankly, has been at the center of the storm of a push by governments and regulators around the world to get away from those pesky trackers that have uh, tracked you and me around the internet for years, um, uh, ad targeting tools that really have benefited the Facebook business. So they were upfront about that. Investors immediately see that. 
and it takes their attention, I think, Carol and Tim, away from from the headline number, which I think is still mind-blowing. I know, Carol, I'm sounding like this broken record as they look at these numbers. Right. I always think maybe we just expect a little too much. I mean, a little perspective. And and I understand. But at some point, I mean, it's a huge company, and they make a lot of money. Well, this is the challenge. Now, we could have a conversation around the business of Facebook, some of the ethical lines here that I think mm-hmm. a lot of governments and regulators want to talk about. But for investors, the problem with all of that is if you really honed in on that, the, the reality is you would have left money on the table. I mean, we're now talking about revenue in this quarter over the last decade growing more than 3,000%. And, you know, I was thinking, mm-hmm. like, I love my historical yeah. dates in history, and it was it was literally around this time two years ago that we were spinning in the Cambridge Analytica scandal. We thought that was uh, going Facebook to, had, so many people thought that would be the end of Facebook, right, John? You're so right, Tim. You know, we were really, we started having a big conversation around the bust up, the breakup, all the antitrust concerns. They came out with quarterly results. Um, I want to say there was a, a similar sort of meh reaction to what was in front of us with the earnings. And stock ended up losing like 20% of its value. And if you had sold and just walked away, uh, you would have missed ultimately a more than doubling in the shares. I mean, yeah. we came in, and this is the problem with earnings season so far this cycle, which is a lot of these stocks have been up, up, and away. They've been trading around all-time highs. Facebook is in that boat. So even though they're down in the in the aftermarket, for these legitimate reasons, let's not forget that this stock had been rocking and rolling in recent trading sessions. Right, down three and a quarter percent now. It's up 36%. uh, That was at the end of the close today, year to date. Um, I do want to mention just some earnings crossing. PayPal down about 4.1% here in the after hours. uh, And they're seeing third quarter revenue 6.15 to six and a quarter billion dollars. The estimate out there is above that at about 6.45 billion. Uh, The company's saying second quarter net revenue was six and a quarter. That was a little light. The estimate was 6.27 6.27 billion adjusted EPS at buck 15. That's three cents better than what Wall Street was forecasting. It did reaffirm its full year uh, revenue outlook and total payment va- volume for the second quarter 310.99 billion. That's above the estimate of 297.08 billion. So just wanted to put that out there. And again, that stock seeing some selling now down about 4.7 percent in the after hours. Hey, John, I wanted to get your thoughts on the metaverse. This is something that we know Mark Zuckerberg. He's obsessed. John. He's obsessed. I'm obsessed. I think. Mark- He's a member, a secret member of the metaverse because he won't exactly tell me what it's all about, but I think he knows. But if we think about what Facebook has acquired in the past, right? It's acquired Instagram. It's acquired WhatsApp. It's acquired Oculus. And where, where it really hasn't performed is Oculus. And we know that one area that Mark Zuckerberg is really interested in is blending these digital and physical worlds. And there are hundreds of job postings right now for metaverse-related jobs. Is this the growth area for Facebook if if growth declines or if growth slows, I should say, on the, the family of apps? Well, I think it's a great question, Tim. And one thing this company has never done is sit around and wait for its bread and butter business to slow and, you know, I even think back to when the company went public. I mean, let's face it. They um, have not seen the kind of growth in the core Facebook platform that they once oh, did. Oh, yeah. And part, I mean, and, and part, buying Instagram was like the best thing they ever did. 
Exactly. And, um, you know, I don't want to get too far into the weeds for the audience here, but this week when Alphabet, the parent company of Google, reported, they're now breaking out the YouTube numbers because mm-hmm. at a certain point, you kind of have to. I mean, YouTube mm-hmm. generated $7 billion in revenue in the last three months. On its own, it would be one of the largest companies wow. in tech. Same story for Instagram. It's still um, under the bed. Right. It's part of the overall. Facebook's not telling us exactly how much of the business is Instagram. But I think uh, an educated guest will tell you that a lot of the advertising growth is coming from the Instagram platform. And then we get to what Tim's talking about, which is, look, there are these other avenues. I I would make the argument, you know, I don't know if um, anyone listening has family or friends that that is. Um, toying around with VR, doing anything with Oculus, slowly but surely. I mean, I don't think it had the impact that they might have thought initially, but slowly but surely, more hardware is making its way into people's homes more more often than not. I mean, we're, we're likely moving in that direction. And I think Facebook has a certain amount of patience to wait to see how that plays mm-hmm. out. Uh, I think the same could, you know, you guys just talked about PayPal. Like, yeah. let's not forget that um, Facebook's thinking a lot about that digital money, cryptocurrency world. They've had starts and stops there too, but they're not going to sit around and, and they don't have to. They've got lots of resources and lots of money. But until we see a lot more developing in terms of you know, what Wall Street looks at as material parts of the business, they're really just going to look at this as a, a digital advertising juggernaut. Mm-hmm. It'll have direct comparisons to what's happening with Google. And, and I have to say, if you look at um, the, the, the Wall Street views coming into this year, they were pretty favorable on Alphabet. And, and that bet paid off in a big way. Facebook also has been, you know, gaining ground in the stock market. But this might be a bit of a, a moment for pause if the company's straight out coming out and, and talking about some of the challenges they might have mm. short term in coming up with the same kind of numbers they saw. Well, and I think you're, time last you year. guys are right too. To, you know, you talked about earlier about all this tracking and what the impact is on all of that. Facebook anticipating mm. increasing ad targeting headwinds, saying growth to slow this year. So that's some of the reason why we're seeing some selling. Our Kurt Wagner saying what's also unclear from the release is why the year over year two-year growth rate will be down in the second half. Is this just iOS-related or something deeper? He says, questions I will be uh, hoping that will be answered on the call. John, what would you be asking on the call? What do you want to know? Well, I think if they could answer some of those questions, it would be super helpful. Um, I I still would really like if they could um, uh, share more details on Instagram. It would really be helpful for us to get a sense on how that platform is doing. Um, We're kind of at a uh, a point now where we've got a healthy number of publicly traded social media stocks between Facebook and Twitter, Pinterest, uh, Snapchat's parent company. And a lot of those companies have seen really strong digital ad growth. We saw that with Twitter. We saw it with Snapchat. And the biggest download um, player on the planet uh, for basically a year plus has been ByteDance-owned uh, TikTok. And, you know, at some point, we'll probably talk more about their move towards public market. Uh, Undoubtedly, that is a threat to Facebook. And um, I'm really curious to watch that head-on battle between, call it Instagram and TikTok. They likely won't say too much about that. 
But I think uh, anything they say about those factors that um, they are watching as possible headwinds is always just helpful for whether you're thinking about where the stock is going or even where the business is going. Yeah, if you think Instagram is a time suck, you haven't tried TikTok. <laughs> that algorithm, <laughs> that algorithm is unbelievable. I call uh, that a rabbit hole. You call oh, it a time suck very yeah. nicely. <laughs> it's it's you gotta it's something. Um, hey, hey, John, I, I want to go back to something that you were talking about a little earlier: the idea of uh, the tracking and the ad tracking and what. What Apple did in its latest version of its mobile operating system, the latest version of iOS. Is that an issue that investors should be more worried about? Is, is Facebook warning enough about the implications of not being able to track users across different apps? Well, I think they'll have to focus on their messaging because to your point about Apple, Apple has seen an opportunity in the marketplace to market that very fact. Um, and you know that's that's a, a pretty worthy adversary. So I, I would I would say if you were Facebook, you you, you want to be ready on the messaging around that. Um, we have now gotten used to Mark Zuckerberg being on Capitol Hill and, and facing a lot of questions around this. I think in terms of you know what you talked about earlier, Tim, when we were wondering about literally the future of the business, whether Facebook would be busted up. It just does not seem like there are uh, enough teeth. For that to happen mm. right now so mm. you could make the argument that they have done their job there but at the end of the day the end consumer is important how they feel about the platform is very important too um but you know it's as soon as we tar- start talking about privacy and um you know a lot of complicated issues you know a lot of people would fire right back at apple as a company look at what's been happening right. in china these last couple just, of weeks I, and how, how tied apple is right to china. I was just going to say, I bet Facebook's glad they're not in China. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, John Ehrlichman, thank you as always. He's anchor of BNN Bloomberg's The Open, correspondent for CTV National News. Facebook shares down 3.5%. PayPal's down about 7.7%. Ford is up about 2.4%. Lots of earnings. Lots of earnings. Also, more to come tomorrow. Can't forget about Amazon. We ain't done yet. Have a good night, Tim. Thanks for listening to Bloomberg Business Week. Download the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Bloomberg.com. And you can also listen to our radio show at 2 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio or watch us on YouTube. Search Bloomberg Global News.